Vidic coming forward now. He had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot. It sneaks into the bottom corner. Headed on in the direction of Kovacic, who scores. Back out to Morris, who sends it in low with deflection. Another save by Neumann. Shot by Matt DeRosa. It's in. Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Elmi has the room. He shoots it in. Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elmi. From the far side, comes right back in towards the middle. A header and a goal. And that is the set piece that breaks the deadlock. Padilla with some space outside the left foot. What a strike! Brian Padilla with the outside of the left foot draws this one even. A great dummy by Johnson leaves it for Benderosa. In towards the middle, a header by Cornelli. And Maryland has the lead back. The senior captain on senior day. And that'll do it. Maryland's California dreams have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove. Welcome into episode 16 of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast right here on WMUC Sports Radio. As always, I'm Brendan Hartlove, and I could not be more excited for the episode we have today. This one, to me, really stands out as being a pretty special interview. My guest today is Paul Ben, and Paul has a fascinating story that we've touched on here and there, either in videos, in writing, on the broadcast, whatever. But today I sit down with him to have him give his story. Paul and I have a pretty special relationship, more so than you know the relationship I have with a lot of guys on the team. I would go as far as to say that Paul and I are pretty good friends. Now, in all of the journalism ethics classes that we have to take here, they tell you not to develop any personal relationships with the people that you cover. And I totally understand that. You know, bias can creep in sometimes. However, I strongly believe that when someone truly makes your life better by having them in it, you don't push that away. Just on a purely human level, when someone makes your life better, you don't push that away. And that's exactly what I found in Paul Ben. So you're going to hear probably less of an interview and more of a conversation. And Paul and I get into some pretty deep stuff from his battles with depression and suicidal thoughts to the fight for racial justice to his torn ACL that he's now come back from after missing his entire senior year. When you hear these stories right from the source, right from the person that had to face these challenges and went through all of these emotions, it makes everything just that much more impactful, which is why I truly think out of anything I've done journalistically, this is the story I'm most proud of helping to share because Paul and I have some very important conversations, not about soccer. A lot of this shows that there is so much more in life that's more important than sports. And I think Paul is a fantastic example of telling that story behind the athlete, behind the person kicking the ball on the field. Now, I do have to preface this interview with the fact that the College Park Wi-Fi really sucks. Paul and I obviously did this interview over Zoom, and my Wi-Fi was not great, and his Wi-Fi was not that great. So there are times where his audio gets a little murky, but it doesn't take anything away from the incredible story that he's telling. So... Without further ado, here is what I think is a very special interview with Paul Ben. 
All right, I'm now joined by Maryland midfielder forward Paul Ben. And Paul, first of all, I cannot tell you how great it is to finally have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join me. No, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So obviously, you know, you and I know each other pretty well, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff we have to talk about because you probably more than anyone on the team and maybe anyone in the Maryland athletics program have a very interesting journey to Maryland. And then just a lot of other things that, you know, we've talked about. And I think a lot of people need to know about as well. So uh, we didn't have you on last year, but you were, you know, out of commission, we'll say, we'll get Mm -hmm. to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have some, some catch up to do. So kind of walk us through your journey from when you were a little kid and the first time you maybe touched a soccer ball all the mm-hmm. way to ending up in college park now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started playing soccer at the age of six. Um, it actually, I started playing at the 2002 FIFA world cup, which was held in Korea. And my mom and my, and my dad would take me to all the games on the streets. Um, we'd have huge parades and stuff like that. Cause it was held in, my home country, Korea. Um, and that's kind of where I found my passion for the, for the sport. And then, um, one day my dad, uh, decided to bring the, the world cup ball and was like, Hey, let's go kick about. So we went to a high school, um, and we just started kicking about. And then a year later, um, I, uh, moved to England with my mom cause she was doing her PhD. And I, that's when I kind of took it pretty seriously, uh, about six, seven years, six, seven years old. Um, you know, played in various youth teams. I think most notably I played at Leeds United. Um, I played there for about three years at their youth team. Um, they wanted me to stay, but um, my mom thought I was a little too young uh, to stay in a complete different country alone. Um, so we moved back home to Korea where she got offered a job and I played in some of the K-League youth teams back at home, but it didn't. I didn't really like it. Um, it was either just, it was just purely soccer or school. And I think my mom and I both kind of wanted a mixture of both because you never know with, with soccer and professional soccer. Um, so I, uh, went to an international school in Korea where they do, uh, they take, they do classes in English. So it was perfect for me because my Korean wasn't the greatest. Um, and I preferred to speak English as well. Um, and then I got scouted really randomly. Um, my, my head of athletic director, at the international school got a really random email from Ralph Salt Lake saying, Hey, we've, uh, we've seen some highlights of this kid. We would want to maybe see him in live action. Um, so they, they flew me to Arizona, um, where the academy was at the time, the Ralph Salt Lake Academy. And I, I was there for about a month and they liked what they saw. And they offered me a spot in the academy, which was amazing. I was I was 16 at the time when I went on trial. And um, I finally, after long discussions with my parents, uh, with family, with close friends and stuff like that, we thought it would be a huge opportunity for me um, to pursue my, my dream, um, which has been to play professionally and to represent my country at the highest level. Um, so yeah, so at 17 years old, we finally decided it was time, my junior year of high school, and I uh, shipped myself over to Arizona, played um, with the B team at first because I wasn't 18 because of the FIFA rule. Uh, you have to be 18 if you're international in order to, to, to play academy. So I played one year of, um, of Sunday league soccer, I guess you could quote it. 
but I trained with the the academy team. Um, but they had a B team that that participated in the in the weekends on the weekend leagues. So I played there. Um, and then at the age of 18, I I was uh, straight away promoted to the the academy team. Played there for a year. Had an amazing season. Didn't start. Um, wasn't a primary starter because such a stacked team. Um, I think all of our starters are now playing professionally in the MLS. So it just kind of shows what kind of team we had. Um, and then I got a few emails, a um, few texts from a lot of different colleges. Um, and actually, my first visit was Maryland. And uh, I, I just loved it. I thought, you know, the coaching staff was amazing. The players were super amazing to me. And funnily enough, two of my Two of my really closest friends uh, that played at the uh, Real Salt Lake Academy with me at that time um, actually committed to Maryland. Um, Diego Silva and Amar Sadic. I know, I'm sure you know Amar very well. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was just perfect. You know, we were best of friends. You know, we were brothers, and they were telling me a lot of good things about their visit and about Maryland. And um, and yeah, I uh, got on my official visit, met with the coaches, met with the players, saw the saw the environment, and uh, I just fell in love with it. And right on the spot, although I had all these official visits lined up after Maryland, I just like, this is the place. Um, so I told Sash, I was like, hey, I'm ready to verbally commit whenever you are. And uh, and yeah, we went from there. And, uh, and that's how I'm at Maryland. <laughs> so perhaps it's fitting that we're having this conversation now because... You know, Omar just scored his first MLS goal the other night and a pretty good goal. And I think we've seen him do Shout that. Out you know, to lovely. Shout out to Omar. Exactly. Um, so you guys went from the Real Salt Lake Academy to your time at Maryland, won the national championship. And just kind of what is the, the relationship that you guys have built over all of these years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I remember the first actually. Um, he came in. Um, out of nowhere, he came in and he was an amazing footballer, amazing, amazing soccer player. And then after, like, hey, man, like, you're amazing. You're such a good player. And we just started bonding right there and then after practice. And we became literally the best the best of friends right off the bat. And um, and then to go to Maryland together when you're best friends, you know, it's kind of a dream to go to college with your best friend. And, and uh, off the field, on the field, we had an amazing connection. And um, to top it off, you know, I think especially that class, that 2015 class was was very, very stacked. We had a lot of a lot of high talented recruits, um, um, you know, myself included, Amar, Sebastian Elney, all these players. Um, so I think it was fitting for us as seniors um, to win the 2018 National Championship. I think it was the icing on the cake. And I think especially it was special with Amar as well. Um, I'm sure we'll dive deep into more of my mental health side of things, but he's been, he's been there for me through thick and thin. Um, when I was at my all-time low, he was still there for me. When I was at my all-time high, he's still there for me. Um, and that's never changed with Amar. And the same goes for me um, with Amar. So it was very, very special to win it with Amar, um, especially because of what we've been through from the academy days to my, my low days to, to starting on the pitch with him again together and having an amazing connection on the field together as well. And to win a national championship, I mean, you can't, you can't make that stuff up, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, we talked about that story so many times last year after it happened, of course, the year leading up to that, 
Um, and you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned your your mental health side of things, and that was what I wanted to get into next. And you know, kind of thinking about you know having this interview with you, and obviously we've talked, we've done other stories about this before. Um, but this is kind of the first time we've been able to have you unedited speak on this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of questions to ask and things like that. And it kind of just came down to, you know, there's nothing I can ask that's going to fully encapsulate everything that went on. So mm-hmm. maybe not in the most journalistic way, but I just kind of wanted to give you the floor to talk about, you know, that whole situation, how you went through it, mm-hmm. how your time at Maryland soccer kind of was incorporated into that as well. And, you know, cause it all kind of topped off with that national championship. And so I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to give you the floor um, and, and mm-hmm. say your, your piece on that. Put me on the spot. Um, yeah, sorry no, about that. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so it all my school, my senior year of high school, when I was at Ralph Academy in Arizona, um, I was, I think it was during the time of playoffs, so kind of later towards the season, I'd say probably like April, May-ish, around there, around that time. And I wasn't feeling great. Um, my mood was always down. I didn't want to tell anyone. Um, I wanted to be in a room by myself. I didn't have an appetite. I couldn't sleep. And as an 18-year-old boy, you're like, what's going on? Um, I don't know what was going on with me. Um, especially when you're, when you're so young and you're, and you're going through stuff like that, it's, it's very confusing. Um, so I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, you know what? It's just, it's one of these things. It's whatever it's, and even mental health back then when I was 18, I was like, this is fake. None of this is real. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just got progressively worse and worse as the days went by. Um, and then that led to poor, poor in performance in training and games and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I realized that I was struggling a lot, but I just didn't know how to accept it. And I didn't know how to ask help. Um, and it got to a point um, where we had just reached the semifinals of the Academy playoffs and everyone was celebrating and doing all this. And we, you know, we're, we're excited that we just reached the semifinals of the Academy, the playoffs, the national championship playoffs. And I found myself pretending that I was sick. And I told my coaches, I was like, hey, I don't feel well. Um, could I get a spare? Could I get a hotel room? Because in Arizona, we had our dorms. And then we had a hotel right next to it that was uh, um, connected with, uh, with the program. So we could use the hotel. I told my coach, I lied. I told him, hey, I'm sick. I don't want to get my roommate sick. Um, so let me just have a hotel room. And uh, he gave me a hotel room to stay in, and I stayed there. And to be completely honest, I wanted to kill myself. Um, I wanted to commit suicide. I wanted to jump off the balcony. And I was about to jump off the balcony because um, I couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't know what was going on. I was very, very young. And, uh, and as I was climbing up the rail, about to jump off this balcony, um, my mom's image just suddenly just pops up in my head. And... And then everything just kind of went blank. And then I just kind of crashed to the safe side of the balcony. And I just kind of laid there for a bit. Um, and then and then I think I laid there for about five minutes, so confused with what happened. And then right away, I called my mom in that hotel room. And I told my mom, like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I almost committed suicide just now. And I need help. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong with me. 
And next thing we know, um, she books a books a flight uh, right back to Korea from Arizona. Tells the coaches that I have visa issues and I need to go back. And although we were in such a critical time with these playoffs, I knew that I needed to go home, and I knew that I needed help. Went home. Um, obviously, didn't participate in the semifinals and the finals. Um, went straight home without a word to my teammates. Um, and I went home and I tried to, you know, see a few psychiatrists and I saw a few psychiatrists and I felt a little better. Maybe it was spur of the moment, you know, being back home with family, friends, loved ones and seeing a psychiatrist. It definitely helped me uh, feel a little better. Um, but I don't think I was fully ready. Um, and I think I was just trying to, you know, just like super excited to, to get started in a new environment, start college. And maybe that's what kind of pushed me over um, in, in going to college right away. Um, freshman year came, um, still the same things. Um, I was still, still not in the best space. I was still very, very sad. Um, trying to stay away from everyone as much as I could doing my own thing. Um, really just, <clears throat> um, really just taking everything out, I think, um, of my life. And um, and it showed in my performances in trainings and in, in games and and just in all aspects in academics as well. And um, yeah, one afternoon I just couldn't take it anymore, and I, I found myself crying every night till two three a.m., crying my eyes out for no reason. Um, and uh, I was at the McKeldin Mall. He really really calmed me down. Um, told me everything was all right, that he was going to help me, he was going to support me, he was going to get me help in whatever needs necessary. And, uh, you know, shout out to Matt for really just saving my life and really calming me down because um, I think if, if he hadn't picked up the phone that night, I probably would have killed myself. Um, and then I got help um, necessary. And then we kind of hit it from Sash and the coaching staff for a little bit. And then um, I think it came to a point where we, we both realized, okay, like, um, I think Sasha needs to know. I think the coaches need to know, but I was trying to hide it. Um, I didn't want anyone to know about it. Obviously, you know, with the, the, the masculinity aspect of it, you know, they're often seen, especially as an athlete, especially as a male athlete, you're not supposed to show your feelings. You're supposed to always be strong, independent, um, no emotions, that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to hide it from everyone. And then I think Matt, um, realized that it was important to convey these messages to Sash. And Sash called me um, one day really randomly. And I was really scared. I was like, oh my gosh, why would Sash call me? You know, obviously I wasn't the star player at the time. Um, really wasn't getting much of the pitch. I wasn't performing very well as well. So I was like, oh my gosh, what's, what's he calling me for? And then I walk into the room to Sasha's office and I see literally all the coaching staff from from Sash, from Scotty, all the way down to Cody, you know, Rob Keo was in there. There was about 12, 12 people in there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know what this is about. And um, I sat there and Sash literally first thing he told me was, he always gave me a huge hug, like he always does to any player, sat me down and asked me, is that you or me? And, uh, I froze. I froze. Um, I still remember it really, really well. I started bawling my eyes out in front of him. My right leg started shaking tremendously. Like I couldn't control my right leg shaking. 
And I just started bawling. I couldn't say a word and he knew and I knew. Um, and he gave me the biggest hug again and said, Hey, we're going to get through this together. No matter, no matter what it takes, we're going to, we're going to get you help and you're going to be great. You're going to be fine. And I think coming from Sash, I think it was super, super impactful for me personally, because I respect Sash so much. And, um, for a man of his caliber to tell me that he's going to support me through thick and thin, um, really gave me the confidence to, to be able to fight this head on and be open about it as well. And then I think we decided um, that it was best for me to take a to take a semester off at the start of my sophomore year. So take take the fall off and see see where I lie, and then um, and then we'll go from there. So I I went home for my sophomore year to completely focus on my mental health. Um, saw a variety of different psychiatrists until I met the right one, and um, and she really saved my life. Um, she really showed me the beauty of life, really showed me how amazing life is and what I could do to, to be able to see that, you know, in a day in day out um, basis. And then um, a year later, obviously the six month period wasn't quite enough for me. That semester wasn't quite enough for me. So we decided to do a whole year and it was perfect because the U20 world cup was held that summer. Um, and obviously Eric Williamson was on there on the USA team and, um, and some of the RSL, the Ralph Salt Lake Academy teammates that I played with um, during my time there was also representing the US and the, the tournament was held in Korea and they all invited me out. They're like, hey man, like the games in Korea, um, we would love for you to come watch. And at the time, I'm not going to lie, I think my career was over. Um, I, I, I pretty much thought that I wasn't going to be able to come back um, and play at the highest level that I wanted to play just because I took a year off, off playing completely. And I didn't, I didn't train at all for a year. Um, so yeah, so I thought my career was over and I kind of was jealous a little bit of, of Eric and of all the other RSL guys that were representing their country at the, the, the best tournament in the world. Um, but something was telling me that I needed to go. And uh, I don't know what it was, but something was telling me. So I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Might as well just go watch the boys play and then come back home and just do my thing. I watched the game. Every time Eric or whoever or whichever teammate got the ball, um, my right leg again shaked. It was shaking really, really badly. And um, it was because my leg knew. Like my leg knew that, that I wanted to be back on the pitch. And I think that was that trigger. I think that game, watching the U20 World Cup game and seeing all my friends play in the highest, in the highest stage possible, um, you really gave that click. And, and I realized there and then like, okay, I need to call Sash tonight. I need to let him know that, that I'm coming. And that night after watching the game and just realizing that everything clicked and everything was back in place and I had beaten this thing and I was ready to play, I called Sash and Sash said, hey man, we've got a spot for you, come. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. And then next thing I know, I'm, I'm back for a year, more year, um, back junior year and uh, and yeah, I was kind of getting into the groove of things. Obviously, I hadn't played for a year. Um, so I worked. Um, I think 
I can really say and put my hand to my heart and say for that full year, um, I was really considered a practice player, quote unquote, um, because I hadn't played for a year. And Sash was like, hey, man, you're going to come in. You're probably going to you're probably not really going to play at all. Um, and I was and I was like, yeah, totally fine. As long as I get the opportunity to come back and 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 work and see how things pan out, I'm happy with whatever I get. And I really worked for that entire year. Um, I didn't get many minutes, maybe, you know, a couple minutes here and there, maybe five, 10 minutes here and there. But that's all I needed. Um, and the amount of work that I put in to, to be at the position I am today, um, I can really, really say I gave it 100% to be where I am at today. And then, yeah, and then obviously we didn't have the best season that year when I came back. Um, you know, we, we lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And, uh, and I think it was perfect for me because a lot of players graduated, moved on, and it gave me an opportunity to, to, take, to take that spot. And uh, we went to a trip in England and Sash told me, hey, like, you're going to start in the spring. Um, we loved how you train. We loved, we loved what you've been showing us. You start in the spring. And uh, in England, I blossomed. Um, you know, I scored two against Leicester. I scored a couple against QPR and against a couple of other teams. And that's where I really got my confidence back and playing. And I felt like I was playing some of the best soccer that I've played um, for a while. And then I think it was the perfect time as well. You know, obviously playing so well on the field, I thought it was right. And I thought it, it would do myself and my teammates justice to tell them um, what I've been through for the past two years um, and I opened up to them. Um, I told everyone um, in the meeting room, like, hey, I want to I want to say a few words. And I really thanked them um, for really taking me in and really accepting me regardless of of what I went through, of what I had. Um, and I think it was just the icing on the cake. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the less detailed story. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a it's been an amazing journey. Um, as crazy as it sounds, I wouldn't want the journey any other way. I think I learned so much about myself and about others from my time with dealing with severe depression. Um, I don't think I would be the person that I am today if I hadn't gone through that. And, um, and I'm really grateful and I'm really grateful for the people that I had. Um, I think, I think that's the big thing that we often forget about mental health. Yes, it, it is. It is a battle of within. But I couldn't have done it with the Amar Sadiches, with the Sasha Swarovskis, you know, with my mom that have been with me through thick and thin. Um, so, yeah, just really thankful and uh, really grateful for that journey. I've told you this many, many times, but I admire your honesty. And, you know, these are very difficult things to talk about for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Every time that you've talked about it, either with me or with whomever, you know, over the past uh, couple years, you've just been so open and honest and haven't held back. And, you know, the conversations surrounding mental health have progressed so much over the last just couple years, mm -hmm. even. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, just you being able to lay all that out there, I think is, is very, very impressive because that's not that's not an easy thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I appreciate that. 
So there is one thing I wanted to clarify because before we started this, we agreed the College Park Wi-Fi was not the best. So there was one moment that did cut out a little bit. And instead of pretending, you know, or just ignoring it, you it was the part mm-hmm. where you were talking about you're on the McKeldon Mall and um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Matt and I didn't catch the last name. And I just wanted for everybody listening mm-hmm. to be able to have the full story. So just mm-hmm. if you could, if you wouldn't mind just mm-hmm. running that back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was my freshman year of, uh, of college at Maryland. And uh, I was obviously dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of downs. Um, I was crying every day. I was. I was isolating myself from everyone, from my teammates. And I would, I would honestly, I would pretend I was sick and not train um, a lot of the time. Um, I'd probably do that once or twice a week. I'd pretend that I was injured or that I was sick and uh, I wouldn't play because I, I didn't want to play um, because I, I felt as if I, I couldn't play. Um, and then it got to a point where I was just sitting at the McKeldin Mall contemplating um, whether to kill myself or not. And I started crying my eyes out. I really couldn't find a way out. And um, I just I just got on the phone and the first name that popped up was was Matthew McKelvey, our athletic trainer at the time. And me and him had a had a good relationship. You know, we we'd have little jokes here and there, but we'd never really talk very deep like that. But I was like, hey, I need to talk to someone. So I called Matt and um, he really calmed me down. Um and he was so supportive. He was so loving. He actually told me about his experiences dealing with depression as well, which I thought was super, super um, inspiring for me during that time. And he was telling me, "Hey, man, like we're gonna we're gonna support you through it all the way, and we're gonna support you. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help. We're gonna help you find help." And he just really calmed me down. And I think if it wasn't for Matt that day, I I probably would have killed myself if he hadn't picked up the phone or, you know, sort of, of that nature. So I'm um, just really grateful, really, really grateful for Matt um, for saving my life. And we kind of talked about, you know, your willingness to share on these things and then Matt and how mm-hmm. that helped you obviously on that day. Um, you mentioned when you were talking about, you kind of first started noticing these things when you were like 18 or so. And, you know, you were, I think the, phrase you use is oh it's it's not real it's not anything like that because just going back a couple years that wasn't really you know the case how have you seen as somebody that has you know dealt with all this how have you seen the progression of the honesty and openness with mental health just in general and then you met you even touched on it a little bit in sports but how has that progressed just over the last couple years yeah well I think it's I think it's great um because because often with mental health, you don't physically see the injury, right? Um, maybe with a broken arm, you see someone with a cast on, or you know, if someone's torn ACL, you obviously see them in a cast or or a brace of that nature. But with mental health, it's a little different. You can't physically see it. Um, and I think I think for me, because I couldn't see it, I didn't believe it. And especially when you when you're that young, you kind of you don't know what's going on with your mental health. Um, as well as, as well as, you know, obviously I've gotten a little bit older. Um, and also I think it's great. I think it's great that people are opening up more about it because it is real just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not real. Um, and I think it's great, especially in the sports scene. I know that a lot of athletes are opening about, opening up more about mental health and other people are accepting that it is real 
And I think that's just super inspiring for not only just for me, but for everyone else that are dealing with it. Um, because it is a it is it is a topic and it is an issue um, that still needs to to develop more, and we still need to advocate more for it. But I think we're definitely treading in the right direction. And I'm glad that a lot of high-profile athletes or high-profile people in general are opening about their their mental health experiences. And I think that's also giving others um, more confidence and more more courage to be able to open up as well. Um, so it's great. I you know, I, I love that. So kind of moving on in the timeline of the future biopic of one Mr. Paul Ben, um, cause that's going to be a great movie someday. Uh, you know, you talked about opening up in England and you know, that kind of those performances there that mm-hmm. led into a pretty good season. And mm-hmm. I mean, just that whole story and Joe Catapano, a good friend of both of ours, uh, yeah. you know, wrote that story and all yeah, that kind of came out. Guy. Yeah. And uh, I've, I say this every time I mention this on either a broadcast or a podcast. If you have not read that story by Joe Catapano, go find it. It's really, really a must read. Um, but that was all part of a pretty big roller coaster of a season over 400 minutes without a goal to start and mm-hmm. finished without conceding a goal in the NCAA tournament. And you guys were lifting the trophy in Santa Barbara. And so, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I want to ask about that season, what that was like, and just that moment, you know, lifting the trophy in Santa Barbara after you know everything we just talked mm-hmm. about. What was that whole year like? Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> that year was definitely a roller coaster, I think, to say the least. Um I think we were actually I think we were unranked mm-hmm. um coming into that season yep. because uh, we obviously got knocked out in the first round last year. Um, but we knew, we knew we had an immensely talented squad. And even in England, um, I think the great thing about the England trip for all of us was we got so connected. Our culture was reignited. Um, we had, we, we literally a family. Um, everyone got along with everyone great. Um, and I think the England trip really, really um, took that to us. And um and yeah, the season was rough at the start. Um, I think we were all trying to click. We we're all trying to gel um, a little bit. Um, and um, and yeah, um, the first the first couple games, you know, we obviously started off pretty rough. We got a we got a little bit of screaming and shouting from Sasha in there. <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then um, the season kind of went by. Um, we got better and better, I think, as the season progressed. But um, I think it was once we we picked up our first win in the NCAA tournament was when we realized, okay, like we actually genuinely have a chance here. And uh, we won our first game at home. Um, and then I think it was actually the Duke game um, when we beat Duke. We, we, all, we all knew we were going to win. All, all were going to win the national championship. I don't know why. I don't know how. But... <laughs> Every single one of us knew this one was for us. And and then we beat Kentucky in the, in the final night, I believe. And then we got, you know, we went to Santa Barbara. Um, and um, I think it was, a, I think it was special for me personally, um, because I never thought I would have been on, been at the College Cup stage ever mm-hmm. until that day, obviously with my mental health issues and stuff like that. 
So I told myself, I was like, hey, I'm going to leave everything out on the field. Um, and I'm sure all of my teammates as well. And um, we won that game in the semifinals against Indiana. And um, I crashed to the ground. I was, I was gassed. Yeah. I was really gassed. Um, I was actually playing against Andrew Gutman at the time. Yeah. Very, very, you know, very, very good player. Won the, won the McCurman. And, um, and I was, Sash told me, Hey, you're going to defend him. You're going to, you're going to man mark him. And I, and I was a winger. So I was like, <laughs> what? But I was like, you know what, whatever the team needs. Mm-hmm. So I man marked him and he is the fittest player I've played today. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I was gassed after, but I just, I just couldn't hold back the tears after the semifinal win. Um, I kind of a flash of memories went through me. Um, with all that I've been through to reach where I am that day. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, we, we all kind of cried and we all celebrated. And then, and then in the final, we all knew who the winner was going to be. Um, and, uh, and it was, it feels like a dream. You know, I still, I look back at it and I'm like, did that really happen? Did we really win the national championship in 2018? Um, but I think it was just the icing on the cake. Um, you know, we're such a close-knit team, such a close-knit group. We went through a lot of adversity as a team. But then, you know, we, uh, we came out and we, we, um, we defeated adversity and we overcame it. And um, it was funny when, when we won it to see all those grown men cry. I've never been in such an environment in my life. You know, seeing the likes of Seb, um, seeing the likes of Chase, Amar, you know, all these very, you consider these tough, tough guys to see them ball their eyes out was, was a very special moment, I think for all of us. Um, and yeah, and, um, it was, it was, it was probably the, the highlight of my soccer career to date. And, um, I wouldn't have wanted to do it with any other team, but Maryland, um, because of how amazing Maryland has been for me and how supportive they have been for me. So it was just the icing on the cake for my comeback. And, um, and I'm glad I could do it for, for the for the institution. So obviously riding the high of the national championship, you know, great title defense season coming up. First day of preseason. Yeah, I'll let I'll let you say it. Um, but that that next year was not exactly what you had planned on. Yeah, um, I think that was probably the second toughest battle I've faced to date. Um, I just came off a great fall season, you know, winning the national championship and, and, and I was just getting better and better in the spring. I was, I was playing so, so, so well, um, more of a leadership role in the spring. So I kind of took that upon myself and I was playing the best, the best football of my life, the best soccer of my life. Um, and I was super, super confident going into the, into the defending, defending the title season. Um, and then and then first first day back in preseason, first practice, um, I got in a challenge with Eli. Um, it was it wasn't any malicious. It wasn't any uh, of a malicious challenge. It was just a regular challenge. He got the ball, and then I just landed um, like how I would usually land on my left foot after passing the ball with my right foot. And then I just heard a pop, and I heard my my left knee give in, and um, I just crashed to the ground. And um, I knew, I knew it was going to be something big. Um, but it was something big. And then, and then right away, uh, um, 
and Ryan Morrison um, with an MRI right away that day. And um, a few hours later, uh, after the MRI, um, Ryan um, called me and um, it was during practice. We had two practices a day. So it was during our second practice, he got the results and uh, over the phone and he told me, uh, it was like, Paul, oh, you've torn your ACL, you've fully torn it, it's completely torn. And um, I, um, I got emotional. I got really, really emotional. Um, I started crying there and the, uh, um, I felt sorry for myself. Just with everything that I've been through, I thought, oh my gosh, another one. Like, and I, I felt so much, and I couldn't training. So Sash excused me from training and let me go into the locker room and calm myself down a little bit. I called my mom, told her the news. Um, you know, she was obviously devastated for me, and I was crying in the locker myself, talking to my mom. And then I went back out to training um, because obviously I was a I was a leader and I was a valued member of the team. I thought it would be best instead of Sash talking about it, I to announce it rather so I told Sash I was like hey could I get a minute after training and talk to the lads and let them know what happened to me and I told them and I told them um I told them that I, w I wasn't gonna let this be another excuse I wasn't gonna let this be another sorry sob story for me um it is what it is it happens um I'm gonna tackle it head on like I tackled depression and I'm gonna come back stronger and, um, and, uh, yeah, and here we are. So just that journey, the recovery, you know, you went back to Korea, had the surgery, you know, you eventually came back and just so much kind of back and forth with the recovery and things like that. And, you know, to fast forward a little bit now, here we are. And again, not the season that you wanted. You know, you went through all this recovery, mm -hmm. put in all this work, and mm -hmm. there's no there's no fall right now. So, you know, mm -hmm. what was that when you kind of found out the news that you weren't going to be having the fall season? I talked to Sasha about it, but obviously I wanted to get your guys' opinion. What, what was mm -hmm. the emotions, especially for you with everything, you know, going mm -hmm. on? When you found out you weren't going to play this fall and you didn't know what was going to happen after that, what was kind of going through your mind? Um, well, I was really devastated. Um, I had just got myself ready. Um, I was fully fit um, in a really good place in terms of my injury as well to, to play in the season. Um, and um, it definitely hurt. Um, but at the same time, I think I, think I understood why the decision was made um, because health comes first. Um, safety comes first before before soccer and um but I was devastated I was also um a little confused with how the future was going to pan out for me personally uh, you know obviously um with the draft still happening in January um I wasn't I probably wasn't going to get drafted because I hadn't played last year um so for me I think it was very very confusing um I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't know how things were going to pan out, what the path was, um, um, you know, after college, because I want to play professionally after college. Um, so it was definitely, it was definitely devastating. Um, I think everyone on the team will definitely agree with me that we were all super excited. We were all super ready um, to have a fall season. Um, but at the same time, I think, I think it was the right decision. 
Um, I think, you know, people's health um, comes before anything. And, um, but yeah, um, devastated and um, really wish we had a season and really wish COVID wasn't happening, but but it is what it is, and uh, and we and we move on, and we and we try and try and buckle on and uh, get better. So a lot has happened in these last several months. You know, we touched on COVID and the cancellation of the season, but we, this team has been very outspoken when it comes to you know social issues, and it's it's not just right now either. You know, you have Robbie Rogers mm-hmm. and the LGBTQ movement. The team's always been very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. But then you know, over the last several months, you guys have had a lot of conversations about you know racial injustice and things like that, and have been very outspoken on social media and you know in interviews and things like that what are some of the conversations you know or how did those conversations kind of come about and then what are some of the things that the team is doing currently um about kind of those racial injustice issues yeah um well the conversation actually started from me um so um, truly, truly believe in equality of all, regardless of race, gender, sex, whatever it may be, religion. And um, I was personally super hurt because I have a lot of black slash African-American friends and I wouldn't be the person that I if it wasn't for these people, right? Whether it's Seba or DJ, you know, the list goes on and on. I have brothers that are, that I consider my brothers that are black slash African-American and to see to see what's been happening, you know, with with Breonna Taylor and all the other all the other um, victims of police brutality, it really hit home for me and made me realize that it could be Sebastian Elney, it could be DJ Reeves, it could be Ayanobu. Um and I felt I felt really sad. I felt really sad that this was happening, and I wanted to I wanted to take the knee because I, that's something that I believed in. And it's something that I thought that I believed that was truly right. So I texted in the group chat. I was like, hey, guys, um, I'm going to take a knee tomorrow after training. And I'm going to take a picture of me taking the knee. And I would love for anyone, anyone to join me in um, taking the knee. And everyone was so supportive. They're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And at the time, I think it was a little sensitive because Maryland as an athletic department hadn't really come up with what they were going to do, um, to, to, to show their support. Um, but I want, I wanted to do it now. I wanted to do it right there. And then, um, because, um, I just felt it was the right thing to do. Um, I didn't, I don't think there's, there's a choice. It's, it's not a choice for me. It's, it's just the right thing to do at the end of the day. And, uh, and, and I told Sash about it and Sash, you know, Sash, she's so supportive of these things. And he's, he's a man of, you know, a real, a real authenticity, authenticity. And, um, he, he said, Hey, like, I love that you, I love that you brought this up and I'm fully supportive of, of it. And, um, and then we took the picture, um, and then we uploaded it on social media, on the website and stuff like that. And, um, I'm super glad that we did that. And, and it didn't just stop there for our team. I think we continued to have these conversations on a weekly basis, and Sash made it made it a point to. Um, and you know, last actually last week we we talked to the police uh, county, 
um, where he, you know, he talked a little bit about the police department and, and the issues there. And, and I think, um, also we're, we're trying to team up with a few organizations, um, that, that, that discuss and tackle these issues, um, so that we can be a part of it and that we can actually take them to speak because I think it's easy to speak, but I think it's, it's harder to take action. And I'm glad that Sash is taking on himself, um, for us to take action because because it is important and it is the right thing to do. Um, so I'm super glad that um, team's super supportive of that and well as our coaching staff. So you guys are training, like you said, this occurred after training. And just to kind of, that's always kind of a hard pivot when we have so many very real things to talk to. It almost feels like the, the football or the soccer side of it can seem trivial mm. sometimes when, you know, we've talked about time and time again, there's mm. so many things bigger than sports, but just to kind of touch on that mm. a little bit, you know, you guys are back in training. You yourself are back and you guys had a scrimmage mm. Friday. Um, and inside source told me that during the scrimmage, the exact words were you were playing like it's the world cup final and a lot of edge to you, a lot of aggression, What's kind of the vibe mm-hmm. been like in training and around the guys, knowing mm-hmm. you're not in season, but still having all this, you know, time out on the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the Maryland environment was one of the reasons why I chose Maryland to come was because it was so professional. And everyone or most of the players that come to Maryland want to play at the next level. And um, obviously, we don't have a season um, this fall, but everyone including myself, all my teammates have been spot on in terms of attitude, in terms of work ethic and training. And to be honest, the training is like we're in season because of how competitive and um, how um, determined everyone is to get better and get ready for the, for the season, hopefully in the spring. Um, so the training has been great. You know, we've been doing a lot of, a lot of big field stuff just because we have, we, we do not have any games. Um, and on to a scrimmage on Friday with a lot of intensity. And I'm just glad that people are taking it serious, you know, when not in season. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't expect anything less from, from the Maryland soccer team because of, because of high standards that the coaching staff brings as well as the department and the school as well. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I enjoy training because, because it's competitive, competitive and I'm very, very competitive and I want to win everything, everything that I do. Um, and it goes for everyone as well. So it's been super fun. You've talked about when you had the conversation with the guys after you tore your ACL and things like that, about how you see yourself as a leader for this team. And it's you know very safe to say that they mm-hmm. see you as a leader as well. But ahead of this season, that was maybe made a little more official. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I was appointed captain um, on my birthday, actually. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sash, he didn't, he didn't give me any heads up. So I don't, I don't, I had no idea. Um, yeah, it was, it was on my birthday. Um, we, after training, he just told me, Hey, uh, I got an announcement. Um, we're going to announce another captain, um, besides Eric Matalevich and he announced my name and I was, and I was shocked to be honest. Um, I, I know that me and Sasha have had these conversations before about, about me possibility of me becoming captain and stuff like that. But, um, until it really happened, um, it was a surreal moment. It was a very proud moment for me personally. Um, just because, um, of how much UMD means to me personally. 
Um, so it was a huge, huge honor and a huge honor to be able to lead lead uh, this group. Um, it's a lot of responsibility and it gave me a lot of time to reflect on myself and maybe my leadership skills um, um, so that I can be the best possible leader for my team. Um, so a huge honor for me and um, hopefully I can do them Hopefully, I can do everyone some justice um, being the being the captain for, for this season coming up. As everyone has been saying, is well aware of the future more so now than ever is so uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. Your dream, and then you've always been very set on this and very focused on this, is playing at the next level, playing at the professional level. Mm-hmm. Things are a little different now. You know that MLS draft mm-hmm. is still scheduled for January as of now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not supposed to take the field in Maryland until February. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of conflict there. Mm-hmm. What would you say is kind of your outlook on things and your plan moving forward? Yeah. Um, well, as of now, um, obviously the MLS draft is in, is in January. Um, so that puts me a little bit of a dis- disadvantage just because I haven't played for that entire year. Um, so I think for me personally, I think I want to stay. I want to play my senior season um, with Maryland. Um, I think I've got some unfinished business. I want to I want to give Sash and the rest of the coaching staff another national championship so that Sash can finally retire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he can retire in peace, um, knowing that he won. He won. I don't know four or five. I don't know how many he's won, but that'll be four. Won a lot. Yeah, that would be, be four. Yeah, that would be his fourth. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I have unfinished business um, for me personally. Obviously, with my situation, um, I've just come off a, a, a major injury, and I think it'll be good for me to get another season under my belt, so that so that you know MLS teams and whatever other teams can can see my comeback and and can see that I um, that I'm back and I'm I'm back in top shape. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a little mucky. The path is a little mucky. Um, everything's still, you know, obviously up in the air with everything. But um, as of now, you know, I I want to play my senior year. I want to I want to give Sash and the rest of the coaches left another national championship, and I and I want to win another one. Um, it's as it's as simple as that. And you know, we we've chatted a little bit about this, but that uh, as of right now, that national championship is set to take place in Santa Barbara, California. And you know, you you've certainly made your mark on harder stadium out there. So history rhymes. That's that's the saying as it goes. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, so one of the things I did with a lot of the guys last year, just to kind of transition, is you know, we mm-hmm. talked about all the serious stuff, and obviously all that's mm-hmm. very important, but you guys are college guys just like, you know, me and the rest of us. So sometimes it's, it's nice yeah. to have a little bit of fun with that. Um, first yeah. of all, I want to compliment you on, on the hair. You know, it looks fantastic. Going for a little bit of a longer style now. Go flow. Trying to, grow, <laughs> trying to grow it a little longer. Maybe some Jesus hair. We'll see. There you go. We'll see how it pans out. So I kind of just asked all these seemingly random questions to the guys. And I found the note that I had last year, uh, dug it out of the archives and, you know, kind of blew mm-hmm. the dust off of it. We'll start mm-hmm. with your favorite movie. What would you mm-hmm. say your favorite movie is? And we can kind of do these Ooh. rapid fire. You can explain if you want. Ooh. That's kind of up to you. You can give me a top three. I'm a little. Okay. Lenient. <laughs> okay. I'll give you two. Um, number one, um, Notting Hill. I don't think I've seen that. Great movie. It's a British it movie. It's a it's a romantic movie. Um, 
great movie. You'll enjoy it. It's it's a little old school, but phenomenal movie. And the second one would be Catch Me If You Can. Um, okay. See, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Two, yeah. the, I'm kind of old school. I kind of like the old movies. Um, I kind of like that that vibe, that that uh, atmosphere. So those two have to be my top two. I'm right there with you. And honestly, your hair kind of reminds me of a, a young, a young Leonardo DiCaprio right now. So you got, you got that going for you. Um, I wish, I wish. <laughs> what about maybe your favorite TV show? Do you watch a lot of TV? Um, or Netflix, I watch a lot that of document- Yeah. I watch a lot of documentaries. Could I, could I give you my top, my yeah, top documentary course. series? There's not uh, a lot of rules here, Paul. <laughs> all right. Good. Um, I think it's don't f- with cats. I don't think I've heard of that. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh my gosh. What have you been doing? What have you I, been doing I, this entire I, quarantine? I, I, a lot of FIFA, if I'm being honest with you. A lot of FIFA. <laughs> Too much FIFA. Too Probably, much FIFA, yeah. it seems. <laughs> but you need to watch it. Absolutely um, amazing. Is it about cats? It is, but it's, I don't want to spoil anything, that, but that's it's, fine. it's wild. It's wild. Okay. Okay. That's all I can I, say. I, yeah, I will add that to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so music, you know, I, I know a lot of the guys listen to music before games, whatever it might be. Some have hype playlists. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is maybe kind of your personal favorite music and then maybe something you're listening to right now? I think my personal favorite, again, old school. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Um, wow, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I love old music. Um, the Beatles. I like a lot of like classic original music, you know, like Adele. I'll put a little bit of Sam Smith in there, um, you know, a little bit of Ed Sheeran. I'm I'm in that I'm in that vibe. Um, but I think right now I think I'm listening a lot to Giveon. I don't know if you've heard of Giveon. I haven't. No. Um, yeah, he's he's not really he's not really that hype um, musician. He's kind of soulful and uh, um, and kind of just laid back and, um, and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal artist. So he's been on my, he's been on my, uh, on my playlist a lot. I swear. I actually watch movies and listen to things I've said. I haven't <laughs> seen or heard of whatever you've talked about, but I promise I'm better. I have heard of the Beatles. I'm actually a big old music fan too. So I'm right there with you. Oh my gosh. Okay. If you didn't, if you didn't know the Beatles, I, I think I would have well, just left. Well, that's the thing. You should have ended the zoom call and then just never let me around Ludwig field ever again. I, I think that's just kind of how it should have gone. I don't think you can be yeah. at the, over the age of 10 and not know who the Beatles are. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So, um, so go to karaoke song. If you, if you had to do karaoke, do you do karaoke? I think you do. I do. I've, I've heard. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, I would say probably all of me by John Legend would be my go-to karaoke song or, or, uh, lay me down. I think it's called or mm-hmm. lay me down by Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of the two it would be my go-to. So the question I normally ask after this is who is the best singer on the team and who is the worst singer on the team? And now I have to, I have to bring up this little caveat is because when I've asked all the people, mm-hmm. your name has come up, but it's come up for both answers as, as possibly the best singer and possibly the worst singer. So yeah, you have a surprise look on your face. Would you like to defend yourself right now? I can't. And I also, I meant to look up who said the worst just so that you can, you know, give them crap for it. But um, I'll, I'll text you afterwards and I'll let you know who actually said that, but say your piece on that. Oh my goodness. I mean, 
if there's anything, if there's anything about singing, um, I would definitely put myself on the top of the list of our uh, of our team, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, <laughs> it's just not even really up for debate at this point. Um, I don't know who said I was the worst singer, but that is shocking news, and um, they will be getting a fine tomorrow. There we go. There we go. The captain has <laughs> spoken now. Um, so who would you say, yeah, who would you say is probably the worst? And this can go back to the guys on the team last year too, because I know you were very close with Johannes and Johannes was a name that came up. It's not being all that good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the, the list is long. Um, but I think the funniest one would be Johannes because mm-hmm. the thing with Johannes is he, he, thought that he did so well really but he was actually so poor and um and the funny thing was i was actually sitting next to him on the bus and he was like practicing like with his headphones in he was like getting all ready and he was he was really dedicated i'll give it to him he did he did really really you know give it his all but if you haven't got the voice you haven't got the voice it's as simple as that and um it was funny I'll just say that much. And I think I'd, I'd probably put him at one of the worst. I would. Yeah. And if you don't know what Paul's referring to there as freshmen, they often come in and sing a karaoke. Song. Is it normal? It's normally the first road trip. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the first road trip. Yeah. So, you know, there's been, if you've listened to any of the podcasts from last year, there's some fantastic stories about that. Um, you've traveled actually quite a bit, obviously in where you've lived, but outside of that as well, what is probably the most interesting place you think you've traveled? Interesting. Um, I would have to say Venice, Italy, um, and the city Venice. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd put that up there. And I think also I would, I would say India, India was amazing as well. Why, why did you end up in India? Was that just vacation or? <laughs> I wish. No. Um, <laughs> so I've been, I've been around to probably over 50 plus different countries. Um, very, very lucky and very, very blessed. Um, cause of my mom's work. Um, she was writing her PhD and, um, she wanted to go and, you know, travel the world and see and do her research, um, you know, live, live in action. Um, so I tagged along every single time, obviously, because I was a young boy. Um, so I went to India for a month, um, a lot in India. I was about 10 or 11 at the time. We stayed there for a month um, from amazing food to diarrhea to <laughs> cutting my left toe. It was it was a hell of a trip. Wow. Um, but again, um, I think India was very special because I got to see a lot of poverty and um, something that I wasn't personally used to back home in Korea. So it was definitely eye-opening for me personally at such a young age as well, um, seeing the complete other side of the world and um, seeing how they're struggling and seeing seeing uh, how blessed and how lucky I was to be in the shoes that I was in. Um, so it was such a memorable trip. Um, the food was amazing. The people were incredible. Um, so I'd love to go back there someday, um, hopefully once COVID is done. Yeah, that's really kind of tying our hands with the whole travel thing now, isn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned your mom and her PhD, very academic. You're a very intelligent guy as well. What is your major at the University of Maryland? I am currently an American Studies major. Okay. And what are some of the, what was maybe like the most interesting class, either in your major or out of it that you've taken? Because you've 
been around taking quite a few classes. Oh yeah, I've I've been around the block for a while now. Um, I'd have to say I took an Asian Amer- introduction to Asian American studies, mm-hmm. um, and the professor there was absolutely amazing. Her name's Professor Professor Wong Janelle Wong, and it was the first time because I'm I've never been much of an academic, you know, classes kind of whatever to me because I wanted to play professionally, but. I think that was the first class that I really opened that really opened my eyes and I was like, wow, like I'm actually fascinated by this. And actually after class, um, I went up to the professor and I was like, I don't say this and I don't say this lightly. Um, but this class was absolutely amazing. Um, I was really mesmerized from the first minute I came into the first class and then the last minute. Um, and I thanked her. And to this day, me and her have a phenomenal relationship. You know, we stay in touch um, monthly, um, just making sure how we're doing, you know, she's obviously Asian and I'm Asian as well. So we kind of have that connection and we're also super passionate about similar issues that, that are, that are ongoing, um, even to this day. Um, but I definitely have to say introduction to Asian American studies, uh, was definitely happening for me to be, I am an Asian, um, was very, um, culture in America. Um, so yeah, it was fun. It, again, it's hard to pivot off of that into some of these random questions I have. You are, again, for all these questions, you're allowed to say yourself, uh, best hair on the team. Mm. Best hair on the team. Ooh. This year? Um, can you do, can do this can year. Do this you, can year. Go to, you can go to last year if you want. Okay. This year, I'd have to do Will. Will J. Hervé. No, yeah. He's he's grown an outlaw too. To isn't Will. He? Yeah, he's got a little man bun right now. Um he's got a little man bun going on, but the thing with Will is he can pull off anything. He's just he's just got that swagger, that fit, that yeah. that drip drip. I don't know. <laughs> he's just got it. And his hair's his hair's super cool. He has got he's got a little man bun going on and it looks cool. So I'd have to definitely give it to Will. And he's very fashion focused. He's all over TikTok too. I've been I've been seeing the seeing the videos. <laughs> yeah, chill as well. Go follow chill as well. <laughs> Shout out the will. Um, <laughs> one of the things I know it's probably a little more difficult, you know, right now. But poker was a big deal last year. I don't know if that still is a thing or if you were involved in any of those games. Mm-hmm. Were, were you involved in any of that? A little bit. A little bit. Are you, are you any good? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be honest. Nah. No. Not your thing. I wish. Not my thing. That's fair. I'm I'm absolutely garbage at it too. So um maybe we should play that. That we can definitely do that. It'll just be like the toilet bowl of poker. <laughs> just get the worst possible. Feeling. Yeah. We'll, we'll just we'll just be the worst. Exactly. We'll play with like Cheerios or something instead of chip. I don't really know. We'll just um Yeah. So FIFA is a big thing on the team. I know that. Um, you any good at FIFA? That's that's am decent. That's am yeah. decent. Yeah. Well, who's your that's who's your go? Decent. So I know you're a Chelsea fan. Is Chelsea your mm-hmm. go-to team in FIFA to play? I'm afraid not. Uh, I'm, my go-to team is Juve, Juventus. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Um, I don't know. When you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, Douglas Costa, um, Matuidi, FIFA's a lot to do with speed um so it just made sense it just made sense for me to pick the fastest team i think yeah and now you have weston mckinney there as well but that's more of my own personal you know um (laughs) and andrea pirlo is the coach and all that 
Um, this, now that I'm going through this list, this is such a dated list and showing its age because there's a question about Fortnite on there. And I feel like that hasn't mm-hmm. been a thing in like a year. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play that or were any good at that? I did not play Fortnite. I, I never okay. got into it. I don't I know. I'm not really it. much of a, a console guy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, so what, what do you, I know you read a lot, actually, we were talking about that, you know, back in the mm-hmm. spring. Um, what else, what are some of the things, you know, either including that or, or otherwise that you like to do in your free time? Um, I love to, I love to explore new places. I think that's a big thing for me. I love touring. I love seeing new places, experiencing new places. So, um, you know, we would sometimes on the weekends go to DC and, um, go tour around, bike on DC. Um, stuff like that. So I'm very, I'm very out outdoor type of guy. I uh, kind of don't like staying inside so much. Um, so I do a lot of touring around DC um, with the time that I have. Obviously, it's kind of difficult with the busy schedule with training and stuff like that. But I think I go to DC quite frequently. Um, um, check out new food places and stuff like that. So I love, I love exploring new places. I think that's a big one. And obviously, I love reading. Um, I'm actually reading a book um, called Netherlands, which is a good book. It's not actually about Netherlands. Um, it's about cricket, um, but it's a really good fiction book uh, that I started. I don't know how it ends because I'm halfway through it, but I love reading. What would you say is maybe your favorite food place in College Park? <sighs> it's either one of the 20 pizza places or... Um, it is, this may be an unpopular opinion, but crazy kebab. Really? Interesting. I don't think I've ever had anything mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. What's your order there? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, um, it's like a Indian Pakistan, um, food place. Mm-hmm. And, um, I usually get the bowl. It's simple. And your vegetables and protein and stuff like that. But I kind of like that um, tandoori, that Indian spice taste to it. Um, so I get that pretty regularly, to be honest. What is maybe your cheat day food? Five guys. Five guys. <laughs> Five guys. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty five guys answer. for sure. <laughs> you didn't take long on that one. Oh, you just can't um, go wrong with five guys. Nah. Do you have any secret talents? I do. I do. Um, do you know Lord of, have you watched Lord of the Rings? You're gonna hate me, but no, I haven't. That's on again on the list of things to watch. Oh my goodness. I'm a big Star Wars guy. I've seen Brendan. all of those. I know, Paul. I know. I'll get to it. <laughs> I should have done this over quarantine. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can do a really good impression of Gollum. I don't know. Maybe you don't know him because you haven't watched it, but it's a pretty I, famous I've heard character. impressions of Gollum, and I'm sure most people that don't live under a rock like myself apparently would appreciate if you would maybe give mm-hmm. us a little sample of what that would be. Yeah, I can give you a little sample. Why not? <laughs> you got to warm it up. Uh, let me just let me just get a little <laughs> get, stretch going. Get the stretch in. <laughs> um, all right. That go. was incredible. I did. I did know that, and that was almost like a pseudo ASMR kind of thing. So I, I really appreciate that. That was great. <laughs> you need to watch it. You need to watch it. I know. I will. That's that's it. been the big thing that people have gotten on me about. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I know. I, I have a, I have a long list of stuff I need to get to. Next time, next time I talk to you, I I I want to make sure that you've seen it. That's fair. You can hold me to that. I will I will handle that. Um, I'm actually taking some film classes right now, um, but that's not going to oh, be wow. in one of them. One's a Disney animation mm-hmm. class, which is kind of interesting, but Ooh. beside the point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got the impression. Are you musical at all? Uh, aside from your your magical pipes you got with the singing. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I love listening to music. I love music, um, but I'm afraid I'm afraid apart from the apart from the magical voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't play an instrument. If you could play one other sport at Maryland, what sport would that be? Oh, basketball. Yeah. For sure. You, you any good? Uh, for sure. Um, I'd like <laughs> See to if there's think hesitation. So, but, um... <laughs> I'll ask you this because I forget who I asked this question last year, but it came up. If you had to make a basketball starting five out of the guys on the team, who would play and where would they play? Like if you guys were to go and play basketball, mm-hmm. who would you want the starting five mm-hmm. to be? I think Justin Geelan's probably a lock, but Ooh. like other than that. <laughs> yeah, Justin Geelan's Justin Justin's definitely a lock. Mike's also a lock. Mike Heitzman's also very good. Um I think I'd put um I need three more. I think I'd put myself there. Okay. Um, 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 maybe an unpopular opinion, but I put myself <laughs> there, and um, I think I'd put, I think I'd put Ryan Blumberg for the height because he's mm-hmm. pretty tall. I don't know if he's any good with his handles, but he's he, he's a tall <laughs> lad. Um, and I think I'd also put Jamie, our our new recruit, uh, goalkeeper. He's really tall as well, so I think I'd put him there. And I think we do a pretty good job, you know. I think we've got a mix. I think we've got a bit of everything. So. So we'll I would, see. I would like to see that. I would like to see that happen. Um, so I kind of always end with, with with this one thing, and I know some of them you probably can't or wouldn't care to share, but are there any inside jokes on the team? Um, well, a big one last year was Fola is overrated. Um, that one mm-hmm. came up quite a bit, but is there anything else? Because you guys all have amazing personalities, and I really like mm-hmm. you know people to, people to see that. Yeah. Um, well, there's, this is kind of an inside joke, I think. Um, so we have, a during, um, the summer, this past summer, um, when we didn't know when we, if we were going to have a season or not, um, we actually had a, we had a, we had a, a strength trainer, a strength coach besides Ben Hoffman. Um, he was like the assistant, um, for us. And whenever, whenever it was, it was every morning, he'd all be like, the soccer boys. And we were just like, what? And that kind of became like a thing inside our team. And, and everyone's, everyone's doing it now. Like, we're all just like, oh, it's the soccer boys. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just become a thing. And I don't know when it's going to get old and when stop, when people are uh, going to stop doing it because it's, annoying um but it's a lot of fun at the same time you know it's a little bit of banter here and there so this i actually just looked up at how long we've been going and you know you and i tend to kind of lose track of time sometimes but we have covered so so much today and i have absolutely loved this and you know just anytime talking with you is great 
and you know Likewise. catching up and things like that. Well, thank you. So, um, any any closing thoughts? Any any parting thoughts before we uh, before we get out of here? Um, no, just thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that me and you we have a special relationship, you know, off the field as well, which I really cherish. And um, and just thank you for always like keeping up with me personally. Um, really appreciate that. Um, I know this isn't closing remarks, but uh, I'm truly, truly thankful for the friendship we have and uh, excited for you to cast my games again. Um, you know, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, um, so, so I'm looking forward to, to what's ahead for both of us. And I um, can't wait to, to hear that, that, that million dollar voice of yours. <laughs> saying my name. Well, you are way, way too kind. That was very, very nice of you. And, you know, likewise on, on everything, I cannot wait until the moment I get to say your name back on the field on a broadcast and, and, you know, call that goal. I have thought about that in my head so many different times. Um, and I just, I can't wait for that moment again. So hopefully it's, it's not too far off. For sure. Absolutely. So thank you again. And we will catch up with you sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I want to thank Paul Bin again for his time and for being so beautifully honest and vulnerable. Like you heard him mention, often there's this expectation for athletes to have this facade, male athletes in particular, but female athletes as well, just this stone cold exterior where they're not supposed to show emotion. And that's just not realistic. They're human beings just like you and I. Their emotions and feelings are valid just like yours and mine. So I think for people like Paul to be so open with sharing their story, it can maybe help people that are going through some similar things and show them that they're not alone. And for people like Paul and the rest of the team making those stands for racial justice and taking those steps to be vocal about that, you know, they're using their platform as college athletes to share what they feel is just and right. And you heard that they have the full support of, you know, the boss himself, Sasha Swarovski. So I really enjoyed that interview and I hope you got something out of it because like I mentioned, a lot of important conversations had with Paul Ben. So that will do it for episode 16, a very special episode at that. As always, I'm Brennan Hartlove, and this has been the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast, right here on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your host, Brendan Hartlove. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps! <laughs>